You are listening to Meet the Thriller Author, the podcast where I interview writers of mysteries, thrillers, and suspense books. I'm your host, Alan Peterson, and this is episode number 59. In this episode, I'm interviewing Caroline Eldine. Uh, Caroline has been a published author for a while. She's published under different pen names and uh, different genres, uh, but is uh, now writing uh, Cozy Mysteries, uh, set in a small coastal town in Oregon. She has eight books now in her Ravenwood Cove Cozy Mystery series, uh, which is uh, doing so well. She's got more books coming out. And I actually met Caroline uh, about a month ago in Las Vegas at a writer's convention. And uh, she was... uh, Heading up a panel uh, for the um, for mystery writers and uh, mystery suspense and thriller writers, and uh, she's just uh, such great energy and uh, very um, uh, kind with her information. So was, uh, I, I said I need to get her on the podcast, and so uh, lucky for us, she agreed. And so in this interview, I'm going to be talking to her about uh, cozy mysteries and writing and how to get yourself motivated and all that good stuff. So here's my interview with Caroline L. Dean. Uh, Hey, everybody. This is uh, Alan Peterson with Meet the Thriller Author. And for uh, this episode of the podcast, I have uh, Caroline L. Dean on Skype. How are you, Caroline? Hi, good morning, Alan. I'm doing great. How are you? Good, good. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Can you tell the readers a little bit about yourself and your background? I've been publishing now, self-publishing for three years. Just had my three-year author anniversary. I have two previous pen names, and this is my my newest pen name. Started publishing under Carolyn L. Dean in uh, July of 2016, and I currently have eight books out in one series. It's a Ravenwood Cove cozy mystery series. And then I am starting the new series, which will be the Brightwood Bay series uh, that will be coming out starting in December. So I'm pretty excited about that. Wow, you've been busy. (laughs) I am. I'm a full-time author. um, And uh, I I love what I do. I just, I'm having such a great time. Can you describe to the listeners uh, your your books um, if they haven't, aren't familiar with your novels? Well, I was interested, actually, Alan, that you asked me to be on here because I know that you do mystery writers as well as thrillers, and that makes me happy because I tend to be kind of the opposite end of the spectrum from from a, a thriller. Uh, my mysteries are what are called cozy mysteries, which are going to be, um, I do a traditional, and my version of that is um, no swearing. Uh, there, There's going to be a dead guy probably, but he's going to be very, very bad, and it's okay that he's dead. <laughs> Uh, people are kind of happy, and uh, the puzzle is just as important as the characters. There's a lot of very character-driven um, plot going on with Cozy Mysteries, and, and I really enjoy that part. Were you a fan of, the, of Cozy Mysteries uh, before you started to write them as a, re- as a reader? You know, I think I, I think I was, and I didn't really know what they are, because it's such a weird name for them, you know, Cozy Mysteries. You say Cozy Mysteries, nobody, unless you really read them, they don't know what they are. Um, but if you think about uh, mysteries like Murder, She Wrote, um, that's in that genre. You Things like that, which were uh, entertaining, you know, cute little puzzle, fun characters. Uh, I think I was a fan of that, and then I started reading them, and I found some that I really enjoyed. Uh, they're they're designed um, to be entertainment. To uh, mine tend to be very nostalgic, and I have people that really enjoy kind of immersing themselves in a world that is what they'd want the world to be, even if there is you know dead people in it. But, <laughs> but uh, they, you know they enjoy having a small town 
around them and maybe the, the language like that and, and the people like that. So, so I guess I was a fan actually before I knew even what cozies were. Yes, like even like Agatha Christie, would, that, would her books be considered like a cozy mysteries? Uh, some of them definitely, yes. Uh, if you think also about uh, you know, some things she's done, where a lot of it is based on a character, you know, Ecu Poirot, and um, looking at things like Miss Marple, mm-hmm. where it's about the character of the inspector, and you, you know that person's habits, you know their sidekicks, you know their past, and you know who they're interested in, and what their fears are. Um, it maybe it isn't so much about a car chase or um, you know a gore or something like that. So. So in some ways, yes. And so the characters and the towns are really important to for, in the cozy mysteries, obviously, then. <laughs> I think so. I think the town, if it's done right, can actually be a character almost itself. Hmm. Uh, my first series uh, that, that I'm known for is Ravenwood Cove. And I actually have writers that, or excuse me, readers that write me and say, can you tell me exactly where that is? I'd really love to go visit. Oh, cool. Which is, yeah, it's so sweet. But I, I have to write them back and say, I'm really sorry, but the only place it lives right now is in my head. So, <laughs> <laughs> But the town, if, you, if, if you've ever read a series of books that you love, you get so that you know where the hardware store is next to the ice cream parlor that they just reopened. And, and you know that there are going to be dog bowls outside of the sidewalk. And you know that there's going to be a, a steps down to the beach and you know what it's like to go fly a kite on that beach you get so you, you not only know the people but you the surroundings become a, a structure for them to live in and it's very important and when you started writing these the, the ravenwood uh, cove uh, mystery did you have a is there like a several towns that you that you knew that you kind of use as uh, as as inspiration or exactly and i actually grew up in oregon and so my favorite thing to do when I was little was my folks would take us to the beach. So anywhere from Lincoln City on down, you just kind of go down 101, and there are all these lovely little beach towns, and some actually are not on 101. You can actually uh, get off and find some that maybe got bypassed a little bit because that main uh, highway is not there, and they're just charming. They're full of antique shops, and uh, for me it was parts of my childhood. I, I remember things like... Pixie Kitchen and Lincoln City, which is now burned and gone, and, and it hasn't been there for 20 years. But when I write my books, I think about the things that I loved there as a child, you know, going to the candy store that had rock candy and uh, getting down on the beach and making sand castles and things like that. So, definitely. Your latest uh, release, uh, your latest book in the series. Uh, the latest book in the series actually is the eighth in the series, and... Um, I'm actually I'm going to blank on this because I haven't had my coffee at Alan. This is very early for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's fruit flower and flames, and they're actually I, you can probably guess from that title that there is a fire in the book that involves the mystery. So that's my newest one that's out. Oh yeah, and I, I read your first one, and it, it was it was a it was a lot of fun. Um, with the um, she was doing the remodeling and then also there's a dead body and that kind of like all the adventure starts <laughs> from there. I thought that was that's I mean that's I think that's what makes it so fun with these cozies because you kind of then like wondering the whole time you're kind of like in the background of like okay well who what 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 the heck happened? <laughs> I exactly and that's part of the fun of writing it is I have to admit um, I I read the reviews people give me on Amazon and and try to see if they're enjoying it how I can improve 
what really spoke to them. And it, it always gives me great pleasure to have somebody write and say, you know, I didn't guess the killer until the very last of the book. And that, that's exciting for me to know, oh, it, it wasn't too obvious, that there were a few twists and turns, and it made them want to keep flipping the pages to find out who the bad guy really was. Just uh, we're talking a little bit before before the started recording about the what it, your book is a uh, uh, I believe it's Dune Doc and a Dead Man which is just hit number one on all of the uh, Kindle Amazon's Kindle store so congratulations on that <laughs> thank so, you so they're doing very very well so the readers are are really uh, enjoying your, your your novels oh you know we've had we've had a great year um, I was just looking at uh, for statistics on books and and how this series is done. And um, we're coming up on 400,000 books that have been, that are in circulation. And to be fair, to be completely transparent, that does include uh, books that have been free. Um, I've had two book bubs since um, in the last six or seven months here. And, um, but to have, you know, basically that's well over 300,000 books that people have decided to read or to buy or to borrow. I mean, it's just, just amazing to me. I get emails from people who say the book was entertaining and helped me through chemo. You know, I, or I was having a rough time in my family and it, it diverted me and, and I enjoyed it. You know, if, if I weren't being paid for this, those emails alone would just make it so amazing to be an author. Uh, how you're helping people like that. You, you, you only think about the, oh, it's just a, a fun read, but uh, for some people it really is a, a big comfort in, in when they're having the troubles in their lives. So that's uh, so cool that you're touching people in that way. Well, you think about all the, the garbage people are reading on the news and the world and <laughs> Facebook's opinions and politics and, you know, whatever's going on. And no matter where people stand on anything, I get so that I just, I don't want to read it anymore. Mm -hmm. it, it just, it's people talking about hatred and fear and to have uh, some little bit of the world where you can get away from that and uh, have a diversion with people you like. You know, it's not exactly solving the world's problems and it's not exactly high literature, but um, maybe it has its its place. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with that 100%. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so um, how long have you been writing for? Oh, I've been writing for years. I remember being in grade school and coming home from, I, I, I'm an avid reader, I'm a natural speed reader, um, and I'm, I remember coming home, it was probably third grade or fourth grade, and putting down my lunchbox and telling my mom, I'm going to be an author. And she was, uh, she was a really great mom, and she said, that's great, and she completely supported that. And then, of course, you know, I went and did the normal grown-up things that normal people do, went and did college and went and got married and jobs and, and all that sort of stuff. And then I had a coworker that was writing and she was doing well, and she talked to me a little bit about it. This is when self-publishing was very, very new. And I thought, you know what, I've, I've got manuscripts sitting that maybe I should go dust those off and see if if I'm terrible or if those were any good. If, are there anything that's salvageable, or could I could I do this? And it, it all worked out. I, I never felt like I fit in really well in a corporate world. I, I tend to like a little bit more flexibility <laughs> than that. <laughs> So this has really worked out well. I, I, I'm loving what I do. Yeah, I think for, for uh, creative types, it's kind of hard to be sitting in, a, in an office nine to five or, or 
eight to seven. <laughs> yeah, well, that, the the nine to five. Uh, I think that uh, those days are long gone for most people in the corporate world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you know that. I bet you've got a lot of people who are listening to this that are feeling nodding their heads and going, "Oh yes, I completely understand that." Uh, the way that I actually wound up being able to be a full time author is uh, because. I'm a parent. I'm active in my community and my church. I, um, at the time, I had three teenagers at home, and my husband has his own business, so I was helping doing accounting things like that. Um, but the way that I did it is sometimes you've just got to dig in and say, "I'm I'm going to give it my best shot because if I don't do this now, I'm going to really regret it." So I'd get up at five in the morning, and I I told my boss for the paycheck job, "I'm going to be coming in at nine, and there wasn't any question on that. That was I needed to have that time in the morning. So I would write from five till eight in the morning and get as many words in as I can. Then I would go to work and have all that story still in my head while I'm, I'm working a normal cubicle job. And uh, then when I come home, I have to hit the ground running for household and you know business and teenagers and food and you know all the normal grown-up responsibility stuff. So... I just want to tell people, if you're listening to this and thinking about wanting to be an author um, and wanting to either supplement your income or express yourself, which is so important, or help other people or quit your job or whatever, uh, there are a lot of people who have done it. Um, Keep going. You can do it. Yeah, that's a nice thing because I think for a lot of people, it just depends what they want to do. Like if someone just wants to do it for fun on the side or for a hobby, that's fine too. Um, mm-hmm. But the the whole spectrum is out there for if you, like you said if you no know, even even go you know if someone wants to make do it a full time it's gonna take take more work of course but uh, it's all there for the taking right now I think it's an exciting time in, mm-hmm. in in publishing for sure oh absolutely you know and and maybe somebody's just looking to and I don't mean just in a, a derogative way at all derogatory way at all um, maybe they're thinking hey you know what if I had an extra little bit of income that would be great that's a great goal if your if your goal is one of the people that i help publish um who's here in my hometown uh actually was a young widow and she wanted to publish a book of poetry to honor her husband both about uh, their love affair and then about how everything happened with it after his passing and all those feelings and she put that book of poetry up and to be able to express herself and get that out in the world and maybe help other young widows i think is amazing so whatever your goal is, um, I say go for it. And so what inspired you to, to write your first book? I mean, as you've been thinking about it since the third grade, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, first published book or first book that's sitting in a drawer somewhere? Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, first published book. <laughs> okay, well, um, if anybody from my former jobs listening to this, I love you very much. <laughs> but uh, the reality is, Maybe because I didn't fit in in the corporate world as well. I, I actually enjoyed the company I was working for, but I have to admit, maybe I've got a mercenary heart. I really was looking for something to help my family out financially. That was pretty much the goal. And also I knew I had children who were growing up and were um, having all the normal teenage stuff go on. And I wanted more time with them. I really wanted to be able to Uh, be there for them. I'm actually at this point, I'm able to homeschool one of my children who was um, struggling a bit in school. She was getting pretty bored. So uh, we're, we're doing things at home and writing has given me the ability to do that. So that's extremely motivating. Obviously these are, you know, there's a lot of 
bad things going on in these little towns, a lot of murders and stuff. So where do you get all these ideas? Because you have to mix it up, right? I mean, how does, are you always thinking about ways of killing people? <laughs> Isn't that sad? Uh, <laughs> well, actually, it's a really great question. My, um, I, I was recently at a convention where I was kind of frustrated because I had ordered a special T-shirt to wear at this author's convention. And it has a picture of Jessica Fletcher. And she's the uh, Angela Lansbury from Murder, She Wrote. And if you've ever watched that show, you know that she lives in a little town, and it's very character-driven. It's very cozy mystery. And uh, I wanted the shirt because it had a picture of her on it, and underneath it, it says, I killed them. I killed them all. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> and I thought that was so great because I always thought about you know the little town, and the people were dropping like flies. And, and uh, I thought, oh, my gosh, how am I going to do this with my sweet little town on the Oregon coast and not just you know kill half the population off? So, so do I think about killing people? Yeah, I do. <laughs> but um, uh, I, I also I have a really great resource. I, my uncle is a retired homicide detective uh, who also was an assistant medical examiner and polygraph expert. So I have been able to, uh, when I have questions, I come up with a plot. But if I, I need to make sure that I'm not doing something silly with the procedure, I can call him. So oh, that's that great, helps. Yeah, that's a great uh, uh contact to have <laughs> oh yeah he's good people he definitely knows what he's talking about mm-hmm. so do you find is that for the readers is that like um uh i would imagine it's important that the like this when you're describing something that it's it's realistic or it's it's or if not you'll hear from the readers or is that an important component to the writing um well my audience the people who who read my sort of book uh, really have a spectrum of people who are interested mostly in the characters versus somebody who's uh, going to be really checking out the procedure versus somebody who's maybe checking me out for typos. (laughs) So um, I, you know, if I, if I blow it, I would expect, and I would hope that they would drop me an email or, or um, let me know, you know, you said that the medical examiner or the coroner would do this and that actually is not correct. And, and I would thank them and go and check that, uh, because it is important for me to have it be realistic. Yeah, I'm hoping I'm doing it right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the, wasn't that skit of uh, Star Trek where they're asking, they're asking, oh, this episode, the it wasn't possible to go through this wormhole because of this and that <laughs> or whatever it was, black hole. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I can imagine how that goes too. Same thing with. Uh, when I'm writing as well, too, you know, you always have somebody saying, mm-hmm. oh, that highway doesn't go all the way through, like you said in your book. It's like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, oops. <laughs> yeah, I've got a really great friend who writes Westerns, and, I mean, he is a huge research bug, does a fabulous job. And when he had his last Western come out, he had uh, a guy who was a gunsmith write him and said, love your books, love your character, your writing's wonderful. Just wanted you to know that that." this officer would never have had that type of pistol. So you do the best you can mm-hmm. and um, you've got a lot of sharp readers out there and they'll let you know if, uh, if you did a boo-boo. And, and like me, he was very grateful to have that information. And Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's awesome. Fix it's like a, it. Uh, yeah, it's like a free proofread. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, very or, true. Yeah, or actually they're paying you and, and they're helping you proofread. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I try to try to do giveaways and, and – um, be good to my readers too, because yeah. they're they're definitely good to me. Mm-hmm. And so is that? Um, so you have a pretty uh, uh, a busy uh, a 
publishing schedule? Is that a, a demand from uh, from your readers that they they can't get, they they, they want to have more new books coming out all the time? Is that the how do you manage that? How do you manage that? <laughs> how do I manage to write so fast, or how do I manage to yes, how do you ma- meet their expectations? Yes, how do you manage to meet their expectations by give, have, giving them new books all the time? <laughs> well, I think that one of the important things is um, that a reader, uh, I know, I, I can speak as a reader because I'm definitely one, is I don't like starting a series and not knowing if it's not going to continue. Mm. Um, if I fall, if I really like that writer's style, I want to be able to find the next one and not think about it. We're all busy. I mean, we're, we've got all these responsibilities in the world and we don't want to have to think about it. So one of the things I do is um, I do pre-orders for my books so that when somebody ends one of my books, they can go find the other one if they're interested. And, and that seems to really help. No, wow. And was that, I mean, I'm sure now you got it down pat, but in the beginning, were you a little nervous about the pre-order? <laughs> you know, I'm still nervous about pre-orders every <laughs> once in a while. <laughs> well, it, you know, as an author also, uh, it's it's good to have a deadline. And, and yes. you definitely have a deadline if you've told people, I'm, I'm going to be having this available on such and such a day. You have to have that ready. So, uh, and it, it's hard because I, I get emails from people who say, you know, can't you can't you write this faster? I want to know what happens with this character, and I, I'm going as fast as I can. <laughs> wow, yeah, that's cool to get those emails, but that's that's amazing. <laughs> oh well, you know, it's a little pressure. Um, you know, but I, I write them back and tell them uh, when to expect it, and and let them just know what's going on, and uh, try to make it as easy as possible for them to be able to access that next book, so they know what's coming. That it is the the series is going to continue is not just getting abandoned that they'll be able to uh, find it and so what's your what's your writing process do you like outline all these stories or do you sort of start writing them um i actually I do use an outline and uh, the reason for it is there are a lot of different genres that maybe some people have a, a style that uh, where they're pantsing it's called where they're writing by the seat of their pants and they're able to start and just let it flow and just be super creative and i love that but with mysteries, you want to make sure that you, you don't leave any loopholes out there. So with me, I, before I actually outline, I start with the people, and I'll start with the dead guy. You know, why is he dead? Uh, what did he do? What's his secret? Who would want him dead? Uh, how did they kill him? And uh, that, a lot of times, you'll be surprised how much just answering those simple questions will get you to the rest of your outline about uh, how it's discovered that he's dead, you know, what's what areas of drama are going on, I mean, who are the other suspects, what are the red herrings. With mysteries, you really have to have those closed up and tight. Um, you can't just necessarily flow to one, one scene to another without having those in place. Oh, so that's kind of cool. So you, like, work, so you, like, forgot the murder backwards. and then you work backwards. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, so was, oh, that's awesome. Uh, and... Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, if you think about it, any if you think about any mystery you've seen, you know, even uh, think about the movie for Murder on the Orient Express is out right now. Mm-hmm. And if you think about the ending on that, or if you've read the book, which is fabulous, you think about how it has to all go backwards, that you have to start with who's the dead guy, what did they do, and who wants him dead. And then the rest of it, if you write backwards, it starts to make sense. I would imagine also with your books, because uh, or with Cozy Mysteries, there's a lot of characters I um, mean, you know, sometimes some books only will have a handful of characters, <laughs> but you, but yours, uh, there's a lot of characters in there. It would be hard to keep track of everybody if you're just going by the seat of your pants. 
Well, you know, I know a lot of my fellow authors love Scrivener, and they have uh, different methods for keeping the worlds, which is um, their towns or, or their universes or whatever it is that they're they're writing about straight. Uh, with me, I actually use a spreadsheet and use it um, so that I can tell you if I if you let me look at the spreadsheet, I don't have everything memorized, but I can tell you how many creams that guy had in his coffee and what the name of his neighbor's dog was and you know all those, oh, wow. those little things that um, make it so it's consistent that it's a real world from one book to the next and that that's been very important I do have a lot of characters in my books they have a lot of uh, relationships I want to know what book did they first show up in and what was their role were they a suspect were they a bad guy were they um, you know the milkman uh, I need to know all that stuff if I'm going to talk about them in the future and then they start to get to the point where they'll the some of the characters wake me up and say go tell my story you know i I have an idea about what should be happening today and that's what it really gets to be fun is all those details about those characters that i have in that silly huge spreadsheet kind of coalesce and make it so hopefully they're three-dimensional characters that have different different voices that's the goal at least I'm working on it. I was trying to get better. <laughs> and then do you use uh, do you use Word to write the to write the actual manuscript? Uh, yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. You know, I have Scrivener, and I have lots of author friends that love it. Yeah, I played with it, but also my books are not big. Um, they're not big science fiction, hundred twenty thousand words. The way that I write, also because I I keep track of anything that is an open loop that I have not completed and actually. I have a block of text in my Word document that shows anything that needs to be completed. The The style of writing that I do for, for outlining everything, it works for me. It may not work for everybody. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like it's kind of like making soup the way I write is you start with your basics, you know, what your meat is and maybe what your broth is. But as you go through the soup and you're tasting it, you're going, you know, I really need more spice here. And maybe if I put in some tomatoes and veggies, you know, that to me is how I write my mysteries, completely nonlinear, completely all over the board. But the soup turns out, uh, people seem to like the soup okay. Yeah, it seems to be working for you. So, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. No, a lot of, yeah, it's going to, I should go back in the, because I always ask what what the the writers that I interview, what they use. And I bet the majority use Word, because you have Scrivener so popular, especially in the indie world, but uh Mm-hmm. But, but uh, it's a great program. Yeah, but whatever works for 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 you as a as a writer is all that matters, really. <laughs> so yeah, because a, a lot of people yeah find that Scrivener's just too too much, too overwhelming, and there's too much stuff on there that they don't use, and so yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've got a lot of friends who are uh, think best with a pen and a pad of paper, and that you know that's awesome. Whatever works for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. It, was it the George R. R. Martin uses a DOS program to write his huge epics? <laughs> Does he really? Yeah, I wow. saw that. He was in an interview. Oh, that's so hardcore. Yeah, he uses a what's it called? WordStar, which is like, you know, wow, from like the eighties. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm dating myself, or, but I know actually what that is. So. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what it is at all. <laughs> yeah, I do. But uh, that's really impressive. That would scare me to death to use that actually. But yeah, yeah. It works for him. He seems to be doing okay. Yeah, he's doing, he's doing all right. So yeah, so. And so that, now I have to ask you now, with your in your books, does any of your personality or like your friends and family do they all make it into your stories at all? <laughs> You're going to make me tell all my stuff, aren't you, Helen? Yes, that's, that's the goal. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, with me, I have uh, the one character in there that 
Everybody writes and says, don't kill her ever, is a 90-year-old lady named Mrs. Granger. And Mrs. Granger is uh, snarky and, you know, she's got, she's 90 years old. She's got nothing to lose. And she'll tell you whatever she's just thinking on her mind. And that woman is actually an amalgam between my grandmother and a, an elderly lady who is a dear friend of mine. Who's, both of them have since passed away. I actually have a bunch of characters in there that are people or even pets that have... Um, passed away and that sounds kind of weird that i it's a way for me to have them live on and kind of have their personalities and the fun part that was them uh be in my in my little world i created uh, one of the things that i get email on also is in the first book and and i'm i don't think i'm giving away too much here the main character her name's amanda goes uh gets very upset about the way the town is treating her so she takes a bunch of big old seashells puts them in a backpack and goes down to the beach at, in the morning and dawn and starts digging holes and burying them in the sand. Now, these seashells aren't normal Oregon Coast seashells. They're exotic, big conch shells and cowrie shells from Africa, all over the world that were in somebody's collection. And um, she winds up burying them. So the kids, that you know, you're out doing a sandcastle when you're six years old and you dig up some enormous, gorgeous shell. It, it's like buried treasure. And she winds up continuing this, uh, doing little glass floats and things like that, digging them into the sand for just to delight other people. And that actually is uh, after my grandmother passed away, she had been a collector of shells. And I, I did that to honor her. We, you know, what do you do with boxes and boxes and boxes of gorgeous seashells from all the world? So I was able to go down and dig them in. Um, it wasn't going to hurt anything on the beach. I didn't think it'd be, it's not an environmental issue or anything like that. And it was great fun to do that and just kind of honor her memory and think about the delight somebody's going to have when maybe the tide uncovers it or they're going to dig it up or, or whatever and have them wonder, well, I wonder where this came from. So it's, it's a weird little piece in that book. But yeah, I, way too much of me probably is in these books. <laughs> that is so cool that you, that you did that. Uh I remember when I was a kid with my dad, we were uh, doing some work at a, at, a, at the house, and mm -hmm. the wall, we took down the wall, and inside, somebody had put in a, a note, like, Ooh. I don't know, 20 years ago. And it was just something like, hey, you know, their name and what year they lived there, and that was it. And but it was like, yeah, it was like amazing. And so I kind of... Isn't that intriguing? So, yeah, so that kind of reminded me of that. This is... You know, this was back in the '80s, so there was, a, there was an internet. I couldn't go Google to, you know, figure out who the person was. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. so that was that, you know. But uh, it, it always stuck with me. So when you said that about burying these treasures, like that's the first thing that came in my head, into my mind. <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah, and and it's intriguing, isn't it? It it's its own little mystery about, you know, that somebody saying, "Here I was," and and remember me and. Uh, you know, I think that's a great start to a mystery. I have one of the mysteries. I won't tell you which one because you'll have to go find it. But where somebody's remodeling the staircase and finds a book actually in the staircase that was left by a previous tenant. Ooh, that's even, yeah. that's even more cooler than so, a note. <laughs> oh, but, you know, it's the same idea of I, I love something like that that makes you really wonder about why was that put there and, and who did that? And so when you're writing, what are some of the challenges when you're writing your books? I mean, do you do, is it like the research or just the getting down and putting the words in? Well, uh, I am kind of a world-class procrastinator. <laughs> so, so I actually, I have times where I have to turn off uh, my, my Wi-Fi completely to be able to focus and do my books. 
you know, I get um, also homeschooling takes time with my my child's at home with me. Um, but really, there, you know, there are things that are struggles, and I could complain about the difficulties on them. But the bottom line is now I have more time than I used to. I'm still developing tools to make it more efficient, make it so that I can get these books out faster, to make them better, um, you know, better editing, better formatting, uh, better stories. You know, all of that's really important to me to try to improve that. So when I think about roadblocks and things that make it tough, I think most of them really are myself. And it's tempting when you first go from Basically, I was working two jobs, you know, trying to write and trying to, to do a, a paycheck job. When you first get that heady sense of freedom, uh, I, I took some time off over the summer because it was lovely just to have a, a day reading in the hammock. <laughs> <laughs> so now that um, that's, you know, I've kind of got back on my feet and I'm, I'm back um, working again and trying to see now how what's a reasonable schedule for putting these out and having a consistent time of day that I write. Um, I'm not, it's starting to tighten up. I'm not certain exactly what it's going to be, but it's, it's improving all the time. And do you usually write in the same spots? you have like a dedicated office or do you go out to coffee shops? (laughs) I can't do coffee shops. I get really distracted. You know, (laughs) I I start wondering about the guy next to me and what he's up to. And, (laughs) and uh, I I write best in silence. Mm -hmm. So I actually do have a little office in my house uh, right now, I have um, we have a, a little mother-in-law uh, apartment that's attached to our house, too, and I've kind of taken that over. We don't have anybody in it right now. We have um, guests that will be coming back in December, but I'm um, talking to you from that apartment today because I can take over the kitchen table and sprawl all my stuff out, and it makes it so that I don't have all the distractions of thinking, well, let me just go see what's going on with the laundry or, or get the, you know, things thrown in the crock pot or see what the kid's up to. Um, I, I don't do well with distractions. So anything that can be a calm place is good. Uh, so my husband actually took an unused, the offices in the house is, uh, was actually an unused um, utility room that he finished off for me just so I'd have a place to write. And that, that's been very helpful. So that's good. So yeah, it's like a dedicated, like you're going going to the office. <laughs> you go, yeah, that's awesome. That's it. Yeah, you know, it's it's to the point with uh, teens still at home that I've decided I'm gonna. This is kind of a joke, but kind of not. I may actually do this. I, I want to set it up like a dark dark room where it has the red light over the door. Oh yeah. <laughs> because it's really hard when you're writing to uh, keep going when you're you're kind of in a groove and something's happening. You've got the ideas and and your fingers are flying and you know exactly what you want and then you have somebody coming in going. Mom, I need my tennis shoes, you know, clean or, or whatever. I need this sign. Can I get money for like all that stuff? Yeah. It, anytime it's distracting, it takes me out of that groove. And uh, my hat's off to the people who that doesn't affect it. It definitely affects me. So I may actually put a red light up and say, if the red light's on, you it better be a true emergency. <laughs> you better be bleeding on fire, something horrible. Uh. You know, grandma's at the door. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Yeah, people, I think people don't realize when you, they see you on the computer, they just figure what you know. You're just on a computer, but it really takes you out of the zone. <laughs> you know, it does, and um, you know, I understand why it doesn't. Also, one thing with uh, now being at home mm-hmm. is it just looks like you're accessible all the time for whatever people need, and I understand that. But we've the 
family has learned and I've kind of made it very clear that these are my office hours. This is how I'm available and this is when I'm available. And uh, they're to their to their credit, they're rising to that pretty well. We're still still working on it. <laughs> So you said you're right, you're working on a new on a new series or is or have you, I am. Can you tell us a little I'm bit so about excited. that? Or? <laughs> oh, it's oh, this is gonna be such a fun series. It's called Brightwater Bay. And Brightwater Bay is another imaginary town on the west coast. But this one, one of my favorite places in the world is the uh, the San Juan Islands up there, right by Canada in the, the north um, corner of Washington State. And they're just beautiful. If you've ever been in the San Juans, you know it's a magical place. Dotted tons of of islands, some that are um, inhabited, some that are uh, connected by ferries, and some that you have to get to by float plane or boat. And so I decided I really wanted to write something there where Brightwater Bay has its own, my little imaginary town has its own resort, and my character... Uh, moves from Arizona to the north part of Washington here by all these little islands close to a ferry terminal that goes out to them. And things that that happen to her, you think about all the tourists that are coming through, you think it's going to be different uh, weather and a different town and different characters. And uh, it's it's actually the first book in that is going to be part of a bundle with two other authors. I'm working with Beth Byers and Angela Blackmore and um, the first book will be available December third on Amazon. So, I'm I'm pretty excited about. It. We're down to the final final editing on it right now, and um, I think it's some of the best best writing I've ever done. Oh, that sounds like a lot of fun! And how was it uh, working with uh, other authors in, in in a project? Was was that? Well, we're just starting off the bundle. Actually, that the first book is in. Um, the other two authors each have a. Uh, book in their own series in that bundle um, and then the third book in the series is the is mine which will be the first one in Brightwater Bay The uh, I'm just starting to work with Angela and with Beth uh, they're both amazing people and I think what's going to happen uh, we are going to be collaborating to make sure that those Brightwater Bay books are going to be coming out pretty darn quick uh, we know people I know what I'm excited about a series. I want to read the next one just like eating a potato chip. Yeah. I want to have it right there and just snap it up and see what happened. I, I'm a, an author who hates cliffhangers. I hate them. I know they sell books, but I don't do that for my, my readers because I hate them too. But I know that sometimes you want to know, oh, you know, is this couple going to get together? Or, you know, she was doing this project and what happened with that? Or um, So the goal is to get the books out quickly. So I'll be working with Angela and Beth to be able to do that. Uh, we'll be collaborating on some books in Sprite Bay, but but I'll be um, the reading all of them and just making sure that people who love Raywood Cove uh, hopefully will love Brightwater Bay too. Oh yes, that sounds like a lot of fun. And then, and then, so you're gonna be bouncing between those two two towns now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's well, a lot of fun. The good thing about it is I've been to Ravenwood Cove enough that I that I can tell you exactly, you know, where the butcher store is and where the florist store is and, you know, what's playing for old-fashioned movies at the, the theater. And, yeah, that stuff's in my head and on my spreadsheet. So uh, it, it's not as hard as it, you might think it is. And we'll I'll see. Ha- <laughs> and, and I'll have links to your website and to your Amazon page on the, on the website. Uh, where, um, you're Thanks. at... Um, where, to, where can readers find you? That's a K- Carolyn L. Uh, uh, actually, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually am Carolyn Eldine. Uh, the reason is there's a, a, a lady who I'm certain she's very lovely, but uh, who writes under the name Carolyn Dean, and she writes about uh, she's a writes nonfiction about irritable bowel syndrome. <laughs> that's just a hint, people. That's not me. <laughs> so, uh, so that I didn't get confused with her, I did use a middle initial of L. Uh, my website, though, is carolyndeanbooks.com. Any f- final uh, advice? or uh, We have uh, listeners who are aspiring writers and, and not just readers. Uh, maybe for the writers out there that are, that are trying to figure this out. <laughs> you know, it's, I know it's really overwhelming for aspiring writers, whether you're just newly published and trying to get that book to take off or that brand new series to take off, or if you're writing and feeling disillusioned and not certain you can do that, I'm going to give you a a piece of advice. And part of this is coming from the fact that this is my third pen name. I have two other ones. I have one that was a romance pen name and one that's a nonfiction pen name. And if you haven't published yet, the best way for you to learn about it is stop researching. (laughs) Um, Go and publish it. Publish it if you're going to, it doesn't have to be the best book ever. It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't necessarily have to be the book of your heart. But hit the publish button and you're going to learn so much more by doing and by making those mistakes and by being out in the world and making connections with other authors than you will if you fuss over every last sentence that you're you're doing and wait for it to be perfect um it's it's so scary i understand trust me i'm i'm an introvert it's i hate people critiquing my stuff it's enormously scary to get your stuff out in the world to get your your writing and your baby out the world and and have people look it over and and think about it. But the bottom line is, if you don't hit the publish button, you're never going to learn as much and you're you're never going to get that opportunity. And after you do that first time publishing, not only will you learn more, but you're going to learn it's not as scary as you thought it was. So if you're you're just starting out and you're um, just have your first one and you're really worried about uh, trying to do advertising and how to when to make it free and all that sort of stuff. There are a lot of author resources on Facebook that are great. Um, Alan and I met because of uh, uh, the group 20 Books to 50K, uh, which is started by Michael Anderley. And there are a lot of places you can get information from other authors that can help boost you in your journey toward being able to get where you wherever it is that you want to go. If it's to get that book of your heart out or if it's to to make some extra income uh, either way you know i i wish you well on your journey i wish you well on whatever your goal is because i i believe in you i've seen people just come from from nothing and done tremendously well at their goal at the, you know at whatever it is that they want yeah it's great advice yeah it's very very uh, uh motivational it's like yes because you're excited <laughs> i hope that I, well, I hope that goes through <laughs> Well, you know, it was I, I, now, Alan, you've talked to me. I'm going to talk to you. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm going to tell your readers. Alan and I had um, met first time here at a convention. And what's been really fun is one thing about being around those other authors now. Alan, I hear rumors that you're writing. Is that true? It's true. Yes. I was. Uh, oh. Yeah, I see. Yeah, the confessional. Well, my listeners and readers know that I haven't published anything in over two years. So. <laughs> so and now the floodgates have opened. <laughs> well, yeah, you don't make me get my cattle prod here. <laughs> because you got to, you know, I hate to sound like Nike, but just do it. Buddy. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that was a, 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 
uh, important part is of you know of go- getting out there. I'm also an introvert myself. I'm a, kind of a shy. I know it's hard to believe, you know, because we're we're here yap- yapping. But when you're in the person, <laughs> getting out there, it's hard. And and but yeah, it was one of the best uh, things that I've done in a while. And Carolyn was very um, uh, motivating for me. So that's why I was like, oh, it's so I'm so happy to have you on the show. <laughs> Oh, that's sweet. I'll bet you didn't know when I was chairing the, the mystery no. panel there that my knees were shaking. <laughs> standing up in front of people is still uh, kind of scary, but talking with you, you know, I could I could do that. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast and for uh, your for being so inspiring. I really appreciate it. Oh, Alan, it's uh, I'm very honored that you asked me to be on your podcast, and I just want to list uh, wish anybody who's listening well, and um, if you. Want to find me? That's great as a reader, and if you're um, an author, aspiring author, uh, can't wait to see what you're going to put out in the world. Thank you for listening to this episode of Meet the Thriller Author. I'd like to ask you to please review and rate this uh, podcast over on iTunes. It really helps me get the word out. If you take a few seconds of your time to uh, do that, it would be much appreciated. You can also visit my website at thrillingreads.com forward slash podcast for show notes on this episode, as well as information about the uh, podcast in general. And you can also sign up for my mailing list there. You'll be getting uh, special offers from our guests, as well as information, uh, behind the scenes information on the podcast. And uh, please do visit my author website at alanpeterson.com. I appreciate your support. And so until next episode, I will talk to you then.